is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm going to I'm private car in the top of the Ferris wheel at the Smogville World's Fair. This is the World Champion Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brighton S.L.C. And I'm the other, Sean Black. The other what? The other, did I, did I not say what I was? You just said you were the other. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. World Champion Podcast is a free-form discussion covering a variety of topics Mysteries of the world, heavy metal, 80s television, lost media, tales and adventures from the fringe. We signed a contract with the Smogville World Fair to become their official podcast. And here we are, trapped in Smogville. We don't know where it is. Not much going on in Smogville these days. Now, you said we were in our private car. I wasn't aware it was private. Is it? Have you ever seen anyone else in here except the dog? It was pretty jam-packed when we watched that beauty pageant, I recall. They, oh, they, remember, yeah. we spent all that money on those seats, and they were all, we were already in the seats. That's true. And sometimes people will come in here and do stuff like, like some, some guy said it was someone had told him he could spit tobacco juice in here, which I had to, you know, after the third or fourth guy coming up and spitting in here, I was like, no. I know, because of the, the uh, Make Smogville Clean initiative. Right. Where they said you can't spit your tobacco juice in, in, in view, public anymore, in, in view, view of a lady. In view of a lady. Yeah. And so we just got people kind of spitting on us all, day and night. Yeah, that was awful. It's a weird, the, frankly, the Ferris wheel car is very strange because sometimes it's just a couple seats mm-hmm. with your legs dangling, and sometimes it's more of a big sort of submarine pod. That's true. It's really... Now that you point that out. It's kind of weird how uh, amorphous it is. That's... Very much like the TARDIS. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a very Doctor Who kind of analogy going on. Yeah. But you're right. Now that you mention it, sometimes I feel like there's no walls. Sometimes I feel like we're in a big room. A big, like, sort of tin room with just a little window. Sometimes we have a television in here. Sometimes all the walls are glass, and you can see the view of concerts and, and the whole fair. Yeah. It's really, we really are in a weird situation. In fact, even sometimes there's bars on the windows, I believe. Yeah, there's bars on the windows. Sometimes we can only communicate with tin cans. (laughs) Someday we're going to keep track of all this stuff. We'll have to look into that. Yeah. We really should have written a a Smogville Bible before we started Mm -hmm. talking about Smogville. Um, This episode 27, that is halfway to 52. More than halfway to 52. And it's also... I guess last week would have been halfway to 52, but hey... Well, who says there's 52 weeks in a year? The government. And if I've learned one thing in quackademics, it's never to trust what the government says about how many weeks are in a year. That's a very good point. I know it's a controversial subject. There's a lot of weak, you know, weak believers and weak deniers. But there's, you know, 52, maybe. Like, I just show, I want, show me a calendar. Oh, you have a calendar. 
Well, what does that mean? A calendar's a, right. a piece of paper? Right, right. I can't remember that many Saturdays. Who says that's how many there were? Since the last time it was had the same number. Yes. No, we're all just being gaslighted. So we're halfway to, we're halfway to a year, exactly. Yeah, it's we're also half- how old Kurt Cobain was when he died. Oh, boy, the 27 Club. 27. Now we are now in the 27 Club. Jim Morrison. Who else? Janis Joplin. Jimi uh, Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Woodrow Wilson. Seven. I would say, I think James Brown is in that club. James Brown. There's a, you know, all of them tragically taken from us at 27. At age 27. Well, shoot. I guess, should we cement our legacy by just making this our final podcast? Well, I feel like we should carry on in the memory of, of our, ourselves, of that 27. Amy Winehouse, Brian Jones. Amy Winehouse, wow. Luis Chauvin, ragtime musician. We hear his music all the time. That's the fair. I know. I, I'm surprised to hear he died, actually. I know he died of a neurosyphilitic sclerosis. Oh, that so is, I yeah, think that's going around. Yeah, a syphilis. I, I had a, a small case of that last year. Robert Johnson, of course. And he World was Champion. 27? Yeah. My guess would have been like 57. He, yeah, he looked pretty old for his age. Everybody on bar- that stamp. Every, if you look at any photo taken before there was color photography. Oh, you know, yeah. You, ev- the youngest man looks like... Like Abraham Lincoln, I think, went into office at 17. <laughs> I love seeing <laughs> pictures of baseball players from like oh, the yeah. early 1900s where it's like he made his debut at age 4. 15 and retired at 23 and you're seeing a grizzled old sea captain looking dude yeah with a baseball glove it looks like popeye's dad <laughs> yeah, popeye's dad whenever popeye comes on the cartoon that's what your average 21 year old looked like in new york in 1910 yeah i watched the babe ruth documentary on hbo because i was trying to fall asleep and mm-hmm. wanted something pleasant mm-hmm. and um they <laughs> describe him first of all that movie has interviews with people that were his contemporaries Interviews what? from like the seventies and eighties. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you want to see some horrible looking people, some hard living people. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, or was cut, it just cut him, no? Cut him some slack for being like ninety seven years old talking oh, about the babe. Okay. But it is kind of hard to watch this guy like when he got up to bat. Yeah. You could see this guy with like one eyeball hanging out. But they describe Babe Ruth as as <laughs> he had a face that looked like a horse stepped on it. <laughs> It's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's a really good it's way to... It sounds pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. Gosh, oh, man, I would have loved to see Babe Ruth. They really downplay... They make him out to be such a hero, and he really was a sweet guy. Signing autographs forever, and he said he just wanted to make sure everybody was happy. Right. Um, so they really uh, make him into a saint. And, and in the documentary, just casually mentioned the part where, like... He left his family mm-hmm. in the middle of the night and never saw them again mm-hmm. and never gave them money again. Or the part where the guy was in the shower and suddenly he felt warmth on his back and babe was peeing on him. <laughs> that's, just, that's just horseplay. That is just horseplay. There's a lot yeah. of horseplay going on in those sports locker rooms. Don't, he, don't, you, you know, don't worry about that. He was a man of big appetites. Such a weird-looking dude. He like was. He could only be... I mean, he, he was so weird looking and he was called the babe and he just learned how to play the media so well. Yeah. Like he he was up for any kind of antics. They're like, "Hey babe, put this silly hat on and dance around." And he's he's down. Yeah, he's he was pretty incredible. It's it's sad we lost him at 
age of 27. The tender age of 27. You know, when he was 26, he went to the doctor and they found out he had cancer and they didn't tell him because they didn't want to upset him. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. That's true? Not true that he was 26, but that's true that that happened. But like do- in his final years, when he was getting so poorly in health, uh-huh. and the doctors found out he had terrible cancer, and then we're like, well, let's just not tell him. That would just make him upset. So just go home and continue to be do you know what? unwell. Having, having had cancer, I would say I almost probably would have preferred them not tell me. And they're, They could have come up with an elaborate ruse on why I was getting the radiation therapy. They could have like made a trail of jelly beans or something <laughs> into there. Yeah. And then go, oh, no, it's triggered itself. Really been condescending. Like, oh, wow, it turns out you're just too strong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do something like that where they're like, we've got to weaken you with this ray. <laughs> right in the pituitary. Oh God. So so I think I think that's good. That's that's good bedside manner, if nothing else. So in honor of Babe Ruth and in honor of you beating cancer, we will keep going. This won't be our last episode. Right. That's good. Well, speaking of people who are too strong, mm-hmm. it's been a minute since we've talked about wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh things in the professional wrestling world have gotten really exciting. They and, really have. Um, and we'll try to talk about this in such a way, because I don't know that any of our listeners are into professional wrestling the way we are. Or if any are professional wrestlers, like, or amateurs. Prof- we're amateur professionals. Do you think CM Punk would come on the show? No. I, I agree. <laughs> Maybe we could get Big Show. Big Show, for sure. The living legend. We're old friends. I talked to him on the phone once. Do you call him in by... a customer service job. Oh, you did, really? You said, hello, Mr. Show? No, I play... Am I speaking to Big? No, I acted like I didn't know who it was. As soon as I answered the phone, I knew it was him, because he's got that... My, I remember What's I his real name? Paul. Paul White. So, okay, so how, how did this hey, happen? I worked, in, I worked in a job for hotel reservations. Uh-huh. And my first... And, you know, I'm like, good afternoon. I don't remember. We had to have some shtick. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. How may I... It's my pleasure to serve you today. My name is Brighton. And I hear this guy be like, hi, I need... And I, my first thought was like... Adjusting my headphones and being like, "What kind of voice?" And then I immediately realized, "Wait, I know this voice. It's the big. Sh- it's the big show. It's a big show. Big show is big show tonight. He, he's billed at like seven foot four and five hundred pounds or something. Mm-hmm. He does. He's a very large man. Four twenty. He was four twenty on the last pay per view he was on. I remember that for some reason. Yeah. He uh, he has the same condition as Andre the Giant, where you just does kinda he? never stop growing. Yeah. He's been actually wearing an Andre the Giant leotard thing lately or whatever they're called what are their little wrestling oh yeah that's, well, that's called that's what he started out with back when he was Did called he? the giant oh that's when he right debuted, he was called the giant that's and right they were, they were trying to make it out that he was the illegitimate son of andre the giant that's <laughs> <laughs> worth a shot man yeah it's worth a shot <laughs> that probably could have worked but so he has this so, so super distinctive voice so he's like mm-hmm. oh, i'm going on vacation to hawaii with my family and Mm-hmm. He was really chill. Um, he he explained. He said, "I'm a," he said, "I'm a professional athlete, so I have a lot of these miles." He's because he stays in hotels, you know, mm-hmm. 250 nights a year. And I and I wanted Can to say, "Can you use like, miles for hotels?" Well, it was like his the hotel version, the rewards points. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I wanted to say when he said I'm a professional athlete, I wanted to say, "Oh, I know who you are." But then I was like, "No, I better just keep it keep it pro, man." Yeah, you kept her cool. Yeah, and I dig it. And I'm sure he says athlete because it's just easier than explaining wrestler. Yeah, I'm a professional. I'm a sports entertainer. And so he explained. Why he, do you think? Why so do you think said, that is? Do you think it's because 
He feel like why would you not just say I'm a wrestler? When I'm at Starbucks and they ask me my name, I say Brian. So I don't have to deal with the Brighton stuff. And I bet it's the same principle. Okay, I get you. Yeah. So that, expl- make, that makes sense. I did the same. I did the same thing. I told you someone complimented me on this shirt I was wearing. Oh yeah. I like that band. And instead of saying this isn't a band, I just went I do too. Yeah. What was the shirt? It was that. Um, I think there was an actual. Well, I don't want to get into this right now. Okay. Well. we'll do, okay. <laughs> good. So yeah, but he explained that he he said I'm I'm a really big guy. I definitely have to have a king bed. Mm-hmm. California then, king. Uh, no, he's got to have the real king. The full king. Yeah, he's a big guy. Is the California is California I think king California smaller? King's a little smaller than a full king. Yeah, maybe it's bigger. I don't know. I thought it had six extra inches lengthwise. That's what oh. I thought it was. Oh, then he's got to have a California king. Yeah, I don't know. In any event, he t- he mentioned he was a big guy and needed a king bed. Mm-hmm. And then when it came time to get to the nitty gritty, he put his wife on the phone. Okay. So when he so he's like, how tag much team. is it? They is were it tag team. They were tagged. Yeah. yeah, he tagged her in. So I was like, okay, well, great. I'll I'll go ahead and secure this. Um, so what's your name and credit card number? He's like, hang on, put my wife on the phone. So then she took it from there. Okay. So that's the time I talked to Big Show on the phone. That's pretty cool. I guess we don't need to have him on the show. Yeah, because he would just tell the same story. Like it's probably. all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> Mr. Big Show, can you tell us the time that you reserved a room in Hawaii? Yeah. I'd like to hear it from his point of view. And he would go, well, I have absolutely no memory of that. Yeah. That, this was in 2002 or 2003, so... He's got to remember. It's got to be just burned into his memory. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know why it wouldn't be. I remember it. So, do you think professional musicians, do you think they actually remember people? Because they go, go, they go through towns. I'll bet you they have trouble even remembering the promoter's names, you know? Yeah. Or the guy that owns the bar, where they're like, Who's, what's this guy's name again? Yeah. I think you can. I mean, to a certain degree, you might be able to see a face and know that you've seen it before. I've read, God, how would it be to be Tom Cruise? Yeah. I would just assume everybody, I knew him already. Yeah. You just have to be so good. The thing that Tom Cruise does is the same thing someone with Alzheimer's has to do at first. When someone first starts, one of the first things when someone starts losing their memory is they try to kind of play it off. Like like they try to, to hide it. Oh, it's like, oh, it's senior moment. Yeah, yeah. And so and it could be much worse, but they kind of try to play it off. And that's what Tom Cruise has to do. He has to do this thing where he l- pretends he knows you. This well, he's legendary for the first day on set, going around and introducing himself to everyone mm-hmm. and learning their names and remembering it. Right. So does he have a photographic memory? I, I read somewhere that you can only have 150 close friends. Like, the way your brain's set up is that's as many... And not even like real close friends, like people you call friends. That seems and, like a lot. But I guess it seems like a I lot. I guess if you factor in coworkers and like the waiter at the restaurant right. you always go to, or the, yeah, the barista you talk to every day. Yeah. But like, like, and that's just kind of the limit of how many relationships you, a person can have. They figured this out through math or psychology or or something or neuroscience. But I want someone like someone you know, like any celebrity in Hollywood, you have to know more people than that you have to know probably 10 times more than that pretty intimately right there's probably there's 150 people just on the set every day right so logistically how can someone have that many friends i guess is what i'm asking yeah (laughs) could i can the human mind do that it can with scientology ah yes okay gosh that makes sense actually it's the only explanation it is the only explanation that's why they're all into that out in hollywood yeah 
helps them remember. Has people's nothing names. to do with yeah. It's just a system of remembering people's names. Mm-hmm. It's not some kind of afterlife aliens inside you and all that. No. Sounds. I need it. it sounds helpful. So, wrestling, professional wrestling, um, really in a good place right now. I feel. Yeah. So a wrestling organization can only have a maximum of 150 wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Is that true too? Just go with it. <laughs> so WWE has two pro weekly programs. They have Raw, which is where all the stuff happens. Then they have SmackDown, which is on Thursdays. It's not live, so if you are paying attention, you already know the results. Oh, so what, what exactly is SmackDown then? It's just pointless. It's, it's just, just some it's other. added content? Just yeah, more? just kind of a cat. And none of the storylines ever happen on it. <clears throat> no, what do you mean none ha- Oh, Oh, okay. Previously. Yeah. That's the way it works. It's pre-taped. So it'd just be like some random wrestling matches mm-hmm. and recaps. But so what they decided to do, they had so much talent on the roster that they made SmackDown be a live program, and they're going to try to make it just as important. And so they have a draft where half the wrestlers go to Raw and half go to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Has, has this ever been done before? Yeah, you know they, they, they started it in 2003, and then they do it every year until about 2011. Oh, really? Yeah. So the, okay, I didn't know that the that, brand split. Yeah, so that, then there's guys who only that was wrestle. the entire period I'd never watched. Wrestling. Yeah, same. So so they have guys that only wrestle on Tuesday nights, and then guys that only wrestle on the Monday show. Huh, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, it's cool. It's so, like splitting it into the American League and the National League. Yeah, that's what like. I was gonna yeah. say. This is very MLB. Yeah. So, do you, is there rhyme and reason on how they they split these people, the talent? Like, have you seen any sort of patterns so far? No, the, I haven't. Aside I haven't from quite trying, finished my crazy board. They, they, okay, so the thing, the only thing I can think of so far is they're trying to legitimize SmackDown. Definitely. Yeah. John Cena's on SmackDown. Yeah. So I, th- I just think they're trying to they're balance trying it to, out, like bring yeah. it up, basically. Yeah. Give it more and respect, then, and then figure out some new combinations. Because what'll happen throughout the year is the same two guys will wrestle each other for like an entire year mm-hmm. until everyone's damn sick of it. So mixing this up will kind of eliminate some of that and. And there's Maybe. also certain people that can only wrestle at the wrestle at the pay-per-views. So yeah. the, the four paper, so the four big pay-per-views, they're going to have both brands wrestle, right? Yeah. And then the other like ten or whatever there are, the less yeah. important ones like Battleground that just happened, yeah, or Fastlane or something. That um, those will be one. They'll either be SmackDown or Raw. Is that correct? I believe so. That's that's what it sounds like. See, that's that's cool too. Yeah. Because then that means you only see one roster every other month at the pay per view, and then the big ones you get to finally see two people that haven't wrestled in a year wrestle. Yeah, it's like the All Star Game. It's, it's really it's smart. Like yeah, yeah. But without getting into the nitty gritty, it's been really enjoyable lately. Um, Dean Ambrose is your world champion. And oh, then, we need to talk about that actually, real yeah, quick. Yeah. So Dean Ambrose is your world champion. He's on SmackDown, and then they've created the Universal championship for mm-hmm. Raw, which is open right now. So, do, do so those... that's what I wanted to get to. Oh, it is? Okay, yeah. good. Because that's what I need some, some clarification on. Yeah. So you want me to get to it? Go ahead. My question is, are those belts now permanently... Uh, is the Universal one permanently the Raw belt? No, because then they could meet up at a pay-per-view and like Seth Rollins could have both of them. So which is the better belt? Which is the main belt? They're is, both They're both supposed to be equal good. now? Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. So that's why they gave the main belt to SmackDown to right. help build that up. Right. But I, I, yeah, but I don't know. But the, the, 
the SmackDown belt, the world champion belt, has an actual storied history. Yeah. This Universal one, whoever wins it on the next pay-per-view, isn't that when it's up for grabs for the first yeah, time? Yeah, so that'll be the first On SummerSlam yeah. in, in three weeks or whatever? Yeah. The, whoever gets it will be the first holder of that title ever. Yeah. Isn't it not fun to watch that kind of legacy unfold before our eyes? If they, if they keep with it. If there's a Universal belt in a decade, that's way cool. Yeah. Um, so, so this all, Roman Reigns has been the champion for a long time and mm-hmm. this all kind of, everything got shaken up because, okay, first of all, everybody hates Roman Reigns for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I say for some reason, uh, he's boring. Mm-hmm. Um, he, not, he became the champion even though the fans had a tepid reaction to him. He's not technically a very good wrestler. He's not a very good, he has like two moves and he doesn't even do those very well. Yeah. And he's always like drooling. He's always got like mucus and saliva on his face. Yeah. I hate when he goes into his weird rage. Yeah. And he's which, just, which is, you know, a lot of guys do that where they finally lose it. But, but he's excessively drooly and people were just booing him for so long. And then he got a steroid suspension. Is that what it was then? Was it because I thought they were really well, vague no, about yeah, it. They it's are like vague. the he, wellness help. He violated the wellness policy, which could be anything from steroids to illicit drugs to what else is on to uh, abused painkillers. I don't think it's public I've, what the list is. I can't imagine anyone uh, in wrestling that's not abusing painkillers. I know, with and all it the pain and, it's, in? and it's not abusing. You're using it yeah. the way you, to actually kill the pain. Yeah, so I guess that's so. There's the idea. no way it's that, right? So I guess, unless it's like, oh, you tested positive for this. Show us your prescription bottle. But and no, he doesn't have one. Is he that stupid? Is that no, possible? No, it's got it's got to be steroids or weed or illegal drugs. No, I don't think that's on the list. Actually. Oh, it's not on the list. Yeah. So just like performance enhancing stuff, performance enhancing stuff, like or cocaine like, or, and stuff. Yeah, something like that, or steroids. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, and, what? and well, the reason they do that is because they got so much bad press from all the wrestlers dying young, and mm-hmm. then the guy that murdered his family. That was rough. Yeah, that's not good PR for the sport. Yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, the, the wellness policy has caught a couple guys where it's like, oh, one more blow to the head, and you will die. So, so like, two guys have had to retire in their prime because of this. Which is a good thing. That's a good thing, yeah. So how often do you think they're tested? Is it... Like, like whenever I hear that people are randomly tested, that still there's got to be some kind of method behind it. Well, it's it's done by a third party, and and part of the reason they do it too is because they're a publicly traded company, so they have to mm-hmm. be transparent about this. Okay. If they were still privately held, I don't think they'd have to do it. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Again, not a Napoleonic Wars expert. Nope. Not a lawyer. Okay. I'm glad that we got to clarify. We got to clarify. We this want stuff the truth. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want people taking our advice too seriously. <laughs> So, uh, so, so is there, it, it was probably steroids, right? It had to be. Yeah. I would think. And so I allegedly, I guess we got to be careful with libel and stuff. That's true. Slander. It had to, this allegation is probably, perhaps, perhaps we're speculating may have been that baseless speculation. Right. There's, is a possibility that that could have happened. Yeah. <laughs> But it was not. But it gave it gave WWE an excuse to finally get the belt off of him. Do you think? Do you think and they not were admit happy? That they were wrong. I think so. Like, I, oh, thank God. Because I think their t- their ego's too big to admit that they made a mistake by making him the champion. I just couldn't imagine the drug policy being real. The drug testing for for months I've been, or I guess it's only been a month or so. I was. I just can't believe it's real. I keep thinking this has got to be part of the storyline. 
But then I would look it up and 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 read little articles by respected uh, wrestling bloggers or whatever, which it's hard to get that out because I don't think anyone's ever said that before. Respected wrestling bloggers. But legitimate, maybe a different word's better. Even that one doesn't quite do it. Anyway, they they were all set talking about how legit it was, too. I just can't believe it. You think it's fake? You don't think he really got suspended? I don't, I think, yeah. I thought the whole thing was fake. Nah. Like, this has got to be a fake suspension, and then it's to make him into some kind of anti-hero, like a bad boy with his dad jeans. No, but he, there's better ways to do that. I don't know. I thought maybe this is kind of like, you know, like nothing else is working. We've got to go there. <laughs> I don't know. All they have to have him do is come out and say that Cleveland sucks, and then he's, it's, it's you know, set. Is it as simple as that with him, though? Yeah. That would win over the crowd. No, the crowd already hates him. I'm talking about winning over the crowd. No, he's Not, never going to win over this. No, Never. Never going to win There's over the crowd. There's nothing you could do. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is this is some kind of desperate no, this last is, grasp. No, it's like a lean into it thing now. Okay, it's the opposite. Yeah, it's like, okay, finally, now just go full, since they hate you all anyway. Well, I have noticed that now that he's appeared after the 30 days on, on, on Battleground, was it Battleground? Yeah. He had a bigger beard, like a bushy beard, like he hadn't shaved. Because uh, he kind of had like a little trimmed goatee thing going on. This time did, it was yeah. a much bigger beard. Enough that I noticed, and I thought, is this kind of like... Is he going to do like a, like a Bray Wyatt thing where he has a giant, huge beard? I Manson think, beard? I think they should all have giant beards. They all kind of do. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them do. Yeah, actually, that's true. They all kind of look like... a lot of giant beards in the world today. Yeah, a lot of young Santa Clauses is what they look like. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's go back to another time. I wanted to bring this up briefly. Uh, you mentioned wrestling journalism. Mm-hmm. I, um, so let's go back to a time when big beards were perhaps also in fashion. Okay. Um. I found a treasure trove of archived wrestling articles from newspapers going back to the 1800s. Um, credit where credit is due. This is on WrestlingPerspective.com. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to add. Likely wanna... a respected wrestling Abs- blog. Absolutely. Is what I'm guessing. Well, it's the Thinking Fans newsletter, as they say. That sounds lovely. I, I certainly don't want to give the impression that I'm out there looking at microfiche. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's uh, from the Reno Evening Gazette, March 26, 1884. Headline is, Muldoon receives a hissing. Hissing. The wrestling match which occurred Monday night at the Mechanics Pavilion, San Francisco, between Whistler and Muldoon, so far as Muldoon was concerned, proved to be a hippodrome. Do you know what that word means? No. Me neither. It sounds like like a place where gladiators fight. Like where hippo gladiators fight? Or maybe gladiators fight hippos. The hippodrome. Dome. It's an ancient Grecian stadium for horse racing and chariot racing. Oh, I was right on the money. Well, it certainly must have a... A hippo s- element? Slan- no, like more of like a slanderous term now. Well, anyway. Oh, hippodrome, circus. They're saying it... It sounds this- like an old-time way of saying it was a circus. Okay. Proved to be a hippodrome. Whistler was anxious to wrestle and forced the work, but Muldoon would not attempt to wrestle or expose himself to a fall. Whistler was cheered, and Muldoon hissed by the crowd. The wrestle was declared a draw, and the crowd dispersed with supreme disgust. Muldoon attempts to justify his conduct by saying that if he had attempted to throw Whistler, he would himself have been thrown, admitting that Whistler is the better man on a square wrestle. So what what exactly just happened? These are basically articles about the early days of fake wrestling 
before it was public knowledge that it was fake. So, so this is the equivalent of the cowardly Chris Jericho running out of the ring oh. when John Cena's trying to fight him. Okay. So he refused to wrestle. Yeah, so he just kept running around in circles and refused to engage. And the crowd was hissing at him and get in the ring, you coward. Yeah, and then the crowd booed. Now, this sounds incredibly boring, but this was 1884. Mm-hmm. And life was, must have been boring. Yeah. Um, but so I built, that's the opening act for what must have been the greatest wrestling match of all time. All right, let's hear now, it. Now, of course, there's like Money in the Bank, CM Punk versus John Cena is considered the best match of the last 10 years. But no, let's go back to 1859, originally published in the Portsmouth Times, though they, in fact, took it from the Albany Knickerbocker. One of the greatest wrestling matches known to the history of this country came off at Ireland's corners sometime since. The parties were Dr. Fraser of Troy and Abram Harrington of Watervliet. Weird northeastern towns, it's, I guess. It's charming so far. The parties met at 9 a.m. for the purpose of trading horses. They talked horse two hours but could not trade as each wished to put a leak into the other. At last, Harrington lost his temper and proposed to give up horse trading and go to wrestling for $20 a side. The winner to pay for the drinks. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. So this intense horse trading debate. So two hours of horse trading just discussion. Just intense, like, their blood, blood red faces. Yeah. Just lo- losing tempers when they finally said, no, let's just wrestle and let's do it for money. Money and that- drinks, yeah. And drinks. Yeah. Uh, the doctor agreed to this and put, oh, the winner pays for the drinks. So the loser put, has to put up like 20 bucks, but at least he gets a free drink out of it. Okay. That's fair. The doctor agreed to this and put up the money without hesitating a moment. The stakes were held by Elias Ireland. Round one. This round was a side hold. It lasted 45 minutes, during which time Harrington got the doctor four times against the shed and once under a two-horse wagon. Toward the end of the round, the doctor lost his wind and went down on a broken bottle and a lot of bricks. Cheers for Harrington. Ten to five offered on Harrington. No takers. Bottle holders gave parties something wet out of a bottle and wiped their faces with a piece of oilcloth. So, so 45 minutes of Harrington just grabbing the doctor in a bear hug mm-hmm. and flinging him all around, eventually throwing him onto a pile of bricks. And a, and a bottle. And a bottle. Now, what's interesting about this is this apparently is not taking place in any sort of ring. No, this is like in the street. Yeah, the, the, I, uh, I, Ireland's I pick- Corners must be some sort of... Place where people meet Business. to fight or something? Well, Elias, oh, yeah, they're going there to trade horses. Yeah, and Elias Ireland is the guy that held the money. So it must be his bar or saloon or general store or stables or whatever. Right. Because then there's drinks all around. Round two, this was a square hold flop. It lasted one hour and ten minutes. The doctor tripped Harrington and staggered him. Harrington made a spring and recovered his foothold to cheers. The doctor now braced back, lifted Harrington from the ground, and tried to fall in a mud puddle with him. (laughs) Cries of foul. Harrington touches the ground and gives the doctor a yank that lifted him out of his boots. The doctor rallied, set his teeth, and went in. Harrington, exhausted, went down, cutting his chin with a tin pan. First blood for Fraser. Cheers. 20 to 5 on the doctor, no takers. Wow. Can you imagine if you're just minding your own business and this breaks out? It would be the greatest day of your it life. It would be amazing. You would. You'd You'd order a drink. Yeah. And you'd probably bet. That... See, the thing about, you, you watch old-timey movies, like cowboy movies, and 
what I always thought was strange is they just kill everybody and then people continue with their day. Yeah. Now is that was it that bad? Could you like can you imagine a world where you just walk down the street, two people start fighting and everyone just starts drinking and betting on it? I always wonder that about the Wild West. Is that just a Hollywood construct? I wonder too. When someone you're playing cards and someone gets shot and you're like, "Get that body out of here. I'm trying to play." Right. And you can you can just someone steals a horse, you can just hang him right there. Yeah. I don't think you even need needed to no, like, that was a hanging com- offense, yeah. You didn't even need to contact the sheriff. Battle wrestling, you just, yeah. You're just like, oh, this guy, let's hang him real quick. And then go to town and watch people wrestle. So I guess in that regard, <laughs> as disillusioned as you might be with society, we've come a long way in 150 years. Yeah. Where life has value. Uh, even a little bit of value. Yeah. Like, at least it's got some. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like Han shooting Greedo and saying, sorry about the mess. Right. Is that the entire Wild West? So is this even... Uh, intense enough to be enjoyable to... No, maybe that's it, because he didn't just shoot him in the face. And they thought, this is interesting. Why hasn't he just killed him already? Yeah. So round three, this was a back hold. The (laughs) round commenced at 50 minutes past 12 and finished at five minutes past three. Two hours and 15 minutes. Oh, two hours. The longest on record. Two hours and 50? 15. Wow. During the round, they crossed the road 18 times, (laughs) got into the cattle yard 11 times, Brought up against the pig pen 27 times and upset a wagon four times. So that means people would go out and turn the wagon back over and then just knock it down again? Or, or there's a bunch of wagons. Or, yeah. They sound like they were traveling all over hell. The round finally ended in favor of Harrington, owing to the doctor tripping his foot against a piece of scantling and falling on Davis's dog, killing him instantly. <laughs> they killed the dog? Yes, they landed on the dog. This it sounds insane. The three rounds agreed upon having been gone through with. Harrington was declared the victor amid the shouts of multitude, which amounted to near 200. Wow. So this, is, this turned into just the, the crowds hung out all day. Harrington smiled a smile and asked Ireland for the stakes. Haven't got them. All spent for drink an hour ago. <laughs> In addition to which the barkeeper has a balance against you of $1.57 and a half. This led to a fresh wrangle, (laughs) the result of which was that Harrington has agreed to wrestle with Ireland and the barkeeper on Monday next for $50 a side. (laughs) Wow. I guess that's how you you, you just fix your problems. You straighten things out. A postscript to all this, we would state that Davis intends to sue Frazier for killing his dog. He lays the damages at $30. That's fair. fair, I I think that's fair. So... Gosh, that would be great. If you, if you went, can you imagine going to the bank, you, you want to get a loan, the bank says no, and you say, well, how about we just wrestle? And then you go out into the streets. And then you just go out in the streets, you just tear your shirts off, start wrestling, throwing each other against parking meters, and into the bushes, and down the street, hitting their head on a mailbox. Knocking over cars. And then when it's over, they're like, okay, yes, we'll give you the loan. Yeah. That seems like a great world to live in. I, they should recreate this. They should just make a whole movie. Let, let's make a movie about this. I know we should. Don't you do it. I'll write the script. I was, just, I was just thinking as you were reading that, I was picturing a movie. It's like The Revenant, but a little bit more lighthearted, I think. Yeah, and, but I could, I could picture the way you're reading it almost being like, Harrington went in on the thing. Yeah. He threw him over 18 times, like that old, old-timey kind of... We talked about that. What's that? What's that? that uh, the Mid-Atlantic. The Mid-Atlantic accent. But that's man, right. How did people even talk? This is eighteen. This is before the Civil War. To me, that's the earliest accent. 
Yeah, that's yeah. Well, there's there's like the. Oh, well, we we it, in the, when in the course of human events uh-huh. it was like that founding father sort of gravitas accent. Well, and it's like slow, and real. Yeah, okay. The like the the hall of presidents like yeah. that kind of voice that you'd hear. But how accurate is that? You think? Probably not. See, there's there's so many things about history that, like, how much of it have we gotten wrong? Like, yeah. If you had a time machine, you'd come back to present day and be like, "Oh my god." There's some, you guys, there's some, <laughs> history's nothing, yeah. nothing like we, we were taught. Gosh, it's true. Because we don't even know what their accents were like, how they spoke. There's this YouTube video you can watch where they do Shakespeare in the way it would have sounded. Oh, I saw that. And it's, you can't, it's, it's incomprehensible. But, but they explain how the jokes, there's like puns and wordplay that, yeah. that's, that's lost. Yeah, because because words are pronounced because words are pronounced different. So they were yeah. talking about how how much funnier Shakespeare is than people give him credit for. Yeah, and there's tons of like really clever wordplay jokes, but since people don't pronounce the words the same, they no longer rhyme. They no longer have the same meaning. Yeah, I saw that same one. That's really cool. Yeah, it was. Check that out. Well, let's uh, try to remember to post a link to that. Somewhere. Okay. But um, yeah, anyway, just all that wrestling talk. I just wanted to lead up to describing the greatest match of all time, and I think we're all better for hearing about it. Harrington versus Dr. Frazier. I'm trying to imagine it. When, when they say they crossed the road 18 times. It's got to be just this muddy road. And, and then the, 200 drunken idiots. Like cheering. Cheering. And then those at, guys. At like noon. And these guys dragging each other through the mud and throwing them down. And do you think they're doing the same sort of stuff like in WWE where they're, they're flopping against like the wagon and then just catching their breath? And no, I bet it's way boring. I bet it's just a guy squeezing a guy's uh, torso. Have you, ever, have you ever watched like real wrestling yeah it, the biggest problem is, is getting tired yeah like if you're really gonna be wrestling for two hours like if you get in a real fist fight it's like two minutes of extreme like fl- flailing around yeah. basically and then both of you are just exhausted with all between all three rounds this was over four hours of grappling that well, okay, I, that, that, uh, again, I need to know what the past was like. Yeah. Because to me, that sounds impossible. But then like, these guys were, were, like, shoveling the entire city and, like, the manual labor from the 1800s, if you hear about it, I would die day one. Yeah. By, like, the first coffee break at, at 9 a.m., I would be dead. So they were super fit from all the shoveling. Yeah. But also their diet was uh, just it was tobacco whiskey. juice, whiskey, and... Horse meat. Yeah, that's true. So that's kind of ironic, actually. But there, it's, it's a world where you're, you're, like everyone nowadays, there's complaints you're not getting enough exercise. Back yeah. then, you tried to get less exercise. There was too much exercise. Yeah, your whole life was exercise. Yeah, so the doctor's like, you need some bed rest. Yeah. That's where that term came from. Stop yeah. exercising. <laughs> yeah. Has nothing to do with actually laying in bed and sleep. Just stop lifting heavy things. Stop pulling heavy things. You know, all all day every day. God, it just a nightmare. There's so many days where I wake up just thank you that I wasn't born in this nightmare world just 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah. 200 like every century you go back, the nightmare world, it's like the Richter scale. It's, it's worse and worse and worse, you know? And you get back to the Inquisition, and then you get back, to, you know, to Egypt and stuff, and you're just like, just a just constant horror. Oh, my God. Well, on that note, let's talk about some of the more luxurious things that we have these days. It's true. 
like access to, to rock and roll. Yeah. Or to expression without being killed with a horseshoe or something. <laughs> exactly. Beaten to death with a horseshoe. Yeah, perfect. All right. Let's blow your speakers. So, Blow Your Speakers is my attempt to become a heavy metal elitist one album at a time. This week, I am talking... I'm going further down the rabbit hole of this stoner doom thing where it's leading me. I promise next week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change gears and get into something different, but I decided just to go all in. I've, I've been loving the doom. I loved the stoner doom with Sleep and their crazy record, and then I just decided, let's just go, let's go further. Let's, let's listen to Ohm. And Ohm is the is the other two guys from Sleep besides the guitarist. Is that Ohm like O-M. when you're meditating? Yes, and that's what that, that's what's really cool about this is this Stoner Doom has gone to this next level, which to me I want to call it like spiritual metal. So it's just sorry, it's just Om. Om because there's Ohm, which is also a metal band, right? And that's the band that the drummer for Megadeth was in, right? That I haven't looked into them yet. I know that I'm aware of them, but these this is O M. They sound awful. I'm, they probably are. What, what do you mean? They are an American instrumental rock jazz fusion group. C- could go either way. Mm. I don't want to. I don't want to damn them just from that. Okay. So O M. They they're officially an experimental psychedelic rock band or psychedelic stoner doom. But I want to call them, like I said, spiritual metal. This is Chris Hackius, the drummer of Sleep, and Al Cisneros, the, the bassist. Sure. After Sleep broke up, they, it's, it's just the two of them. Drum, bass, kind of like a, a weird hypnotic white stripes, right? They formed in 2003 after Sleep broke up. Their earliest works incorporate structures similar to Tibetan chants. And, I, and I'm reading this right now off of the Wikipedia but I, I noticed this on my own, that the music sounds like some kind of, of monks chanting. Okay. The, the song structures and, and the hypnotic notes. And if you recall, Sleep, hour-long concept record. Ohm is continuing that to getting so much more, uh, gosh, I don't even know how to describe it, more hypnotic if that's even possible. So what do you mean? Is it like the same kind of little groove repeated over it's the and same over, and over again? Yeah, it's the same groove, but it's less... It, it sounds less like a, a full, like heavy rock band, and more like a, this hypnotic kind of subtle melody. And the the first record I'm, I'm talking about tonight about their album Conference of Birds. This is their second record. Their first one's called Variations on a Theme, and I listened to that one. And that one is an ob- like a pretty obvious next step from from Dope Smoker, where it's it's really fuzzy, it's really it's really heavy guitars. And then this one is getting more into this kind of melodies with this kind of chanting almost. It's hard to describe. It's really cool. What's cool about this is this is, a, this is the perfect record to listen to when you're doing something else, when you want to just use your imagination or brainstorm or think, because you stop. I, I listened to it probably, I don't know, probably half a dozen times in the last couple of days, but I still don't feel like I know it that well because within a few minutes, I'm thinking about other stuff. I'm not like paying attention to the music. That's cool. I always like stuff like that. I think you'll dig that it. stuff's useful. This album... Uh, for when I do my thinking. I think it helps, man. Yeah. Because I've, I've sat down to listen to it in my headphones, and then 
I make, you know, instead I'm brainstorming this other stuff or I'm walking around and I've noticed I finished the album a bunch of times and not really realized I'd listened to it. It only has two songs on it, which again, continues that, that whole sleep dope smoker thing. It's not as intense as a full hour, but first song is called at Giza. Second song, flight of the Eagle. So, oh no, each song's about 16, 17 minutes. So it's about a 40 minute album total. Okay. But it's, it's really melodic, really cool. There is... So does it have that, like, Middle Eastern vibe? Yeah, like it totally saying? has this Middle Eastern vibe. And that's... And, and it's, less, it's less distorted and less heavy. So it's, it's really cool. It's really good. So the, the band took its name from the, the Hindu concept of Om, which refers to natural vibrations of the universe. And I just think that's an interesting idea that they are doing kind of doom metal as. I don't know if they thought of it, if this is what they mean by the the natural vibrations of the universe with the ohm, but their music very much feels like like they're going for a spiritual, you know, like the riff is the universe, you know, is the vibration of the universe, and kind of some like that sort of stonery type of thoughts, you know. Um, it's, it's, there's nothing really else to say about it much except for I did read on their Wikipedia that in, on December 5th, 2007, Ohm performed in Jerusalem. Their performance lasted over five hours. Like a wrestling match. Yes. So this is very much like, so they performed their, sh- and if you'll remember, they, they're they, on that sleep dope smoke record. They're talking about going to Jerusalem. Going to, uh, yeah. And this guy, this guy obviously is very religious. Uh, maybe I can't say that. He, from again, we got to worry about our libel, right? You can't just right. go around telling, saying these people, someone's religious. Well, regardless of his uh, faith, he obviously has a deep connection to spirituality. It's very important. I mean, Jerusalem, no matter what you believe, is an extremely important place in the world. Right. Perhaps the most important place in the world, as far as as, the, uh, as far as the influence it's had on the entire planet. That's true. Except for you know East Asia. Right. <laughs> Yeah, except for that half of the world. Um, <clears throat> so, can I, can I slander an old coworker? <laughs> by all means, this is pretty much why we have a podcast. I um, I used to work in a museum, and we got the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it was amazing. And I had a, a coworker who was trying to raise funds, and talked about the Dead Sea Scrolls, and said, you know, and was trying to talk about how important they were. And said, you know, they're kind of the foundation of like ninety five percent of the world's religions now, or like, or she said, like ninety five percent of the people, their religion comes from these Dead Sea Scrolls, and that really uh, kind of forgets about all those people in China and India. Bold statement. There's a lot of people over there. That, yeah, uh, just a just a cu- just a couple billion, a couple billion people that are not uh, Jewish, Christian, or Muslim. That's that you. And even the crowd that we were speaking to, we were speaking to like rich people to try to get money. And even the crowd was like looking at each other, like raising their eyebrows, like, oh, 95%, eh? She should have just been clarified and said, that's out of 200%. <laughs> you know, just I should have jumped in with that. I should have saved the day, yeah. Should've, just to clarify, this is out of 200%. So We meant 95 proof. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's 95 proof of, the, of all the world's religions. Which is like 40, yeah. She so that makes sense. Yeah, so this, this album is re- released April 17th, 2006, just to give you time and space for this. But 
It's good. You should listen to it. It's I this is maybe the first time where I think I will listen to and it. And I and I think you will actually like it. Yeah. It, it it's pretty it's a, a great background album. Perfect. Um Degrassi Junior right. High. This is a brutal one. You know, this show always gets into the the issues, mm-hmm. um, social issues. And I, every time I watch it, I'm just more and more impressed. I mean, again, uh, the production values and acting are very poor, but it feels so naturalistic. Mm-hmm. And it really does handle these things in such a natural way. These are not after-school specials where everything mm-hmm. wraps up nicely in the end. Yeah, and they, they don't use kid gloves, it sounds like. Yeah, and the, the joke I keep making is how someone will say something like grim and sad, and then it plays the bouncy music. Right. But that's really impressive that it ain't the Cosby show where at the end, mm-hmm. you know, everyone hugs and it's great. Season three, episode six. Because that's what people think of when they think of Cosby these days. Right, right. Boy, boy speaking of brutal. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just know when we get into Degrassi High, we're going to get e- into even more shit. Yeah. No, high school is the worst, yeah. man. It's it crazy. Season three, episode six, he ain't heavy. So we got basketball tryouts, uh, Snake and his new friends that I've never seen before. Snake is the bass player in the band. Now, I, I watched a clip of this, and I was shocked to see what Snake looked like. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was not picturing that as Snake. When you hear a guy who has named himself Snake, you're picturing yeah. a bit more of an edgy kind of guy. I was thinking of the Fonz or Johnny Depp in Crybaby. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, that's so, how I pick like an Or the type. actual Snake in The Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. No, Snake is a gawky guy with long red hair. And he didn't start out with red hair. <laughs> turned red. Somewhere, really? Somewhere in between. Yeah. Or maybe it's just so short you couldn't is tell. Is it the same actor? Yeah, same actor. He's the only guy who's been in every episode. Did or he? Who's been, who's been a character from like episode one and is still a character now. How old was he in episode one? Uh, probably the age they were supposed to be, 13 or 14. Because they did not expect that puberty. He's got to yeah. be seven feet tall. Yeah, he's huge. I was just, I was like, this is Snake, seven foot tall, redheaded, skinny basketball player? And I, yeah, and he's still a character on Next Generation. He's like balding. Um, no way. I believe he had a cancer scare. And that was a storyline in Degrassi Next Generation. In real, in real life? No, in the, that was the storyline on the show. Because sometimes you don't know. It, sound, it sounds like yeah. Degrassi's a little bit like wrestling. Yeah, it's kind of true, huh? Sounds like the reality and fantasy blur together a lot. Yeah, yeah, Archie Simpson. Yeah, but I was reading something on the Degrassi wiki that he's the only actor who's been in it from the beginning and is still on it. Although that new one just started, one of our listeners was uh, messaging me about being in Canada and watching the new series that just started. We should. And it's called, like, Degrassi Next Class or something like that. And it just started on Netflix, right? Yeah. yeah. Or Amazon? One of no, them. I think it's Netflix. Because I say it came up on my uh, things you might want to watch. How, how recently did it start? Like, just a few weeks ago. Gosh, should we do, should we, should we do that? Should we, yeah, should we do, like, a memento thing? Like, we're watching this one and then watching the new one? What do you mean? Well, you know how memento goes forwards and backwards. Yeah. Meets in the middle. I thought for a minute you thought we, we review a new episode and pretend it's an old one. No, Is that what you're saying? No, we'll review an old one and a new one. We'll review the newest one and then work our way back. That works. Until we meet in the middle. No, that's too confusing. I want to see the story play out. Yeah. So Snake is, uh, there's basketball tryouts. So he's signing up with that with his two new friends that I, I like I said, I'd never, never seen him seen hang out ever, with before. Yeah. And um, 
He's saying, oh, man. No, someone says, hey, Snake, wasn't your brother captain of the basketball team? He says, yeah, captain of the basketball team, football team, debate team, valedictorian. Mm-hmm. He's going to med school on a scholarship, and he's a really nice guy. So Snake has a brother who's just Superman. Who he clearly doesn't worship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then we're in class, and the math teacher is saying, okay, shake hands with four students and then sit down. Everybody shake hands with four students and sit down. Everyone has a card. He says, okay. So you want to have the letter A on your card. Please stand up. So Snake stands up. Teacher says, Archie, I'm afraid I have some bad news. You have AIDS. Mm-hmm. Class laughs. Yeah. And it's obviously it's a very serious thing, but it's hard to kind of hard to watch that when it's just it's just kind of a, there's a weird disconnect there. Yeah. Because it's kind of like there's this detached irony to it. But anyway, and then he says, OK, everyone who shook hands with Archie, stand up. So then the four people that shook his hand stand up. Okay, you guys, now everyone who's shaking hands with those people stand up. He says, okay, all of you have been exposed to AIDS. That's, and what year was this? This is 88, 89. Because that's not, I guess in a way they'd been exposed to AIDS. Well, no, not the shaking hands is a metaphor. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's a good thing junior high students are, are smarter than me. Yeah, well, no, and then he says, okay, if your card has the letter C, stand up. Uh-huh. So, like, three of them are, no, everyone sit down unless your card has the letter C. So three kids have the letter C. He says, okay, you, you used condoms, so you're, you're safe. probably safe. Yeah. That makes sense why they would be using condoms for shaking hands now. <laughs> yeah. Now that the metaphor has been spelled out to me. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it makes sense. They, they later explain. They're, they're like, why are you even teaching us? Because the AIDS class goes on for like three days. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you're a math teacher. Why are you teaching us this? And he says, it's not part of the approved curriculum, but we just think it's really important for you to know. So Degrassi... Who's we? The fellow mathematicians? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The the mathematicians. He's gotten together with all the the people... the math society of of Ontario. We've got to spread the word on this serious public crisis. Yeah. No, I guess the the Degrassi administration. Uh, Well, I don't know. I don't know how Canada is. Yeah. So, okay, so then they're out in the hallway, and, and... you know, forgive me because I'm going to get kind of brutal here. But they're like, Snake, oh, you have AIDS? Didn't know you were a homo. Mm-hmm. And then it's this conversation in that, like, stereotypical voice, which I don't even know what that is. Yeah, they're doing a very flamboyant. And, and, and that and, weird, and, like, yeah, what do you call that weird thing where you're, limp, like. limp wrist thing? Yeah, it's like you're throwing a fastball without moving any of your arm. Or like a T-Rex. Yeah. And has any human being ever done that? I don't ever? know. I don't know where this comes from. And then the the voice. Remember when? Remember when we got a bad review on iTunes of our old show? Yeah. And they said because because let me just pull back the curtain for the audience for a second. The only reviews you remember are the bad reviews. Yeah. This one is pretty bad. Nor the weird ones. No, that's the one. You, the only ones you remember are the weird ones. Yeah, we got we've had several completely inexplicable reviews. Mm-hmm. If, if you just think we did a bad job, fair enough. I yeah. we agree with you. Yeah. But one of them said. Um, it said, one of these four guys talks in such a stereotypical homosexual voice that it's really offensive. And that's yeah. weird to me, because we're all using our, Just our, our regular voices. Our normal voices. But that stereotypical homosexual voice, I don't know where it comes from. It's like Lucy's n- friend, Ethel, or something, is what they're actually doing. Really bizarre. And, Still- also, and also, if it's offensive, then the guy thinks we're doing it as a put-on? Like we for the funny. entire show. Yeah, th- for the entire Never show. Never breaking character. We're like making fun of gay people by talking in a 
Yeah, I don't weird. know. Weird, yeah. Inexplicable. Yeah, but so that's what these guys are doing, and it's so so weird, exaggerated. It's like, okay, maybe it's Dom DeLuise and Blazing Saddles is what mm-hmm. they're doing, but it's really more like a housewife from a, or like a dramatic starlet from a movie in the 40s is what this so-called yeah, it, homosexual it, voice it, is. It's just, so weird. Yeah, it was shocking to see. Yeah, I, 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 I did. I just watched that part. I was pretty yeah. shocked that they could show it on TV. Now, um, so so what we're establishing here, and maybe you can see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Snake is talking about how much he idolizes his brother, and now he's, um, uh, what's the word, marginalizing gay people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just mentioning that for no reason. Yeah. So meanwhile, uh, in our recurring storylines. Uh, Caitlin is ignoring Joey because Joey broke her heart. Lucy is getting snubbed by her friends because she had that party with the high school kids where she supposedly had sex. Joey is going to go down to the radio station with the demo, with the Zit Remedy demo, because he's going to get that song on the radio. Mm -hmm. Um, And then meanwhile, kids are coming up to Arthur and saying, is it true that you're rich? And Arthur's (laughs) saying no, because he doesn't want everyone to know he's rich. That's been a struggle all season. So we got back to Snake. He's playing basketball in the yard, and then this cool dude in a Jeep pulls up. When I mean cool, I mean he's got, like, a floofy mullet. He was co- I thought he was cool. Yeah, he's got, high- he's got a badass Jeep. Yeah. Totally, like, 80s kind he of Jeep. He just looks but- smooth. He looks, like, just yeah. really kind of confident. And- he did. Yeah, he totally did. And he comes up, and he's like, hey, Snake, I'm taking a break from med school. It's me, your brother. Yeah. And uh, takes the ball, swishes it. Uh, nothing but net. Mm-hmm driving Snake home, and he's saying, hey, look, um, class wasn't really canceled. I'm just taking a couple days off because I, I came home to tell you and mom and dad that I'm moving out of the dorm. Wow. With a good friend. Uh, by the way, his voice, he, sa- he sort of sounds like a, he talks like this, like a newscaster with a lot of gravitas. Like he could be reading books on tape. Really? Like, Hello, Snake. I'm, I'm taking a couple days off of med school. And he's supposed to be 19 years old. Yeah. It's not, it's not quite that raspy as I'm doing it, but it's like, it's like this. It's a very trustworthy kind of voice that doesn't match his face. I'm moving out of the dorm into an apartment downtown with a good friend. We have so much in common, and there's a lot of things we want to do together. It's someone I care for very much. Snake goes, oh, I get it, some girl. <laughs> no, it's a guy. His name is Greg. So, he's gay. Ew, what would you want to move in with one of those for? I'm gay, too. <laughs> Holy snake, shit. How does Snake take it? Is mind blown? He gets out of the car and runs away. Runs? Yeah. Wow. Didn't take it well, then. Yeah. And then later, they're, they're asking, um, his buddies are saying, hey, get your brother to come play basketball with us. And he's like, no, forget it, no. Mm-hmm. Eventually, him and his buddies actually, um, they're trying to do the, the gay voice thing again. Mm-hmm. They get in a big brawl in the hallway. Snake sho- gets upset they're doing it? Yeah, and, and they shove Snake against the wall. Well, they're joking. They're continuing the joke of like, oh, Snake, you're gay. Ha, ha, ha. Uh-huh. And he's freaking out. They shove him against the wall, and he shoves against the picture of his brother on the wall that says Athlete of the Year. Uh-huh. Um, and the you know, AIDS class continues, and, and someone's asking, why do we have to worry about AIDS if only homosexuals and prostitutes get it? If a mosquito bites someone with AIDS and then bites you, do you get it? What were they saying? And this is all like this is all stuff I remember doing. This is like cutting edge stuff, yeah. stuff, right? At yeah. the time, so, I mean, yeah. as far as what they knew. Yeah, and this is you know no, and they're they're, they're saying that no mosquitoes don't transmit it. Uh, anyone can get it. 
They uh-huh. say, can you get it from a blood transfusion? And they're like, no, we test for it now. I, we, can't we believe it. I cannot believe this is on TV, man. This is kind of mind-blowing. It was such a... Do you remember that, though? I remember AIDS education when I was, like, 10 years old, too. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, just to let you know, you can't yeah, get it. Yeah, I actually do, too. You can't now get that it I think spit, about it. You yeah, they're saying, don't worry, about, don't worry about toilet seats. Yeah. Cause, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, so Joey's going back to the radio station to get his demo heard. Mm-hmm. And the receptionist is on the phone saying, no, there just aren't any kids that want to be part-time janitors or radio, radio station. <laughs> In fact, I'll hire the first person to apply. That's like Joe Quesada. Because, have you ever heard Joe Quesada's story about getting hired for Marvel? Joe Quesada, Marvel artist and writer. And now editor-in-chief, right? Well, he was editor-in-chief. Now he's like the head of the movie head of, division. Yeah, like, well, basically his career couldn't get any better, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But I, I went to a, some kind of panel at Comic-Con one year, and he talked about how he got his first job at Marvel, and it was literally like that. It was like he walked in, and the guy that was interviewing him was someone was getting fired or something, <laughs> and they needed someone that day. Wow. And he literally was like the luck. It was like the singer Def Leppard missing the bus. Yeah. Joe Quesada going to, to – and I don't even think he had an interview. I think he had gone there to like hand in his portfolio or something, and it was the day that someone quit. You know, my career kind of goes that way, too, where I was just standing around, and they're like, we need someone to do blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I don't get into details because no one cares. But, and then it was like looking around the room like, you! Hmm. But anyway. Maybe that's how all success works, actually. Yeah, either that <laughs> or you, you rear-end B.B. King right. in your limo or something. That's the same thing, though. Yeah, it is the same thing. That's just, yeah. yeah, those are the only ways. So, anyway, there's that. Then Lucy confronts that guy that's been going around saying that they had sex, and she says, did we have sex? And he's like, uh, well, we had a good time. <laughs> so it gets him to admit it. Anyway, Snake goes back home. Glenn is in his cool Jeep, furiously backing out of the driveway. And he's like, well, what's going on? And he says, well, I told them, and now you're the only son they have. Oh, wow. I don't exist anymore. And Snake says, when are you coming back? And Glenn says, when I'm welcome. Wow. End of episode. It's intense. Really intense. It's, it's pretty crazy that they yeah. could tackle a subject like this. Yeah. We, just, for, a, for basically a kid's show. We st- you, you started doing this Degrassi reviews, just kind of like, this is this crazy, silly TV show. Yeah. And now l- look at the respect it's earning from you. Oh, totally. Each passing yeah. week, you have more respect for Degrassi Junior High. Yeah, absolutely. As like, it, a, as like, this week, you're basically saying it's an important institution <laughs> for society. It absolutely is. No, and then when I listen to that... Um, that interview with Grown Up Spike with, with this Canadian musician, and he mm-hmm. was saying, you were the first ever positive role, punk rocker in any form of media. And that's kind of insane. Is this somewhat like a, an old, kind of like how Sesame Street is here? Like, is this, a, this is a foundation of kids' shows in Canada. If you're from Canada, you know Degrassi, right? That's the, that's the impression I get. And I think we've asked, I don't know if we have any like Canadian listeners that are of the right age. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let us know or ask your older brothers or your parents or whatever. Yeah, because <laughs> ask is... your parents or a trusted officer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're asking your parents about Degrassi, ask your parents yeah. if you're, you can listen to this podcast also. Yeah. No, but I, yeah, I mean, I wonder what it was like a sort of Sesame Street for the older crowd. Did we have anything like that for us? I mean, that was like. And we had the kids stuff, Reading Rainbow, Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers. We all love that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't think of something made specifically. There wasn't really like kids. a dramatized teen Pu- thing that wasn't thought of as like just stupid bullshit. What about Punky Brewster? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that it was just tied into our normal sitcoms. Cause did, yeah, because we've talked about this in the past. Punky Brewster had the episode where the girl gets inside the refrigerator, the refrigerator. and almost suffocates. Yeah. That's, that's the same sort of public message. Mr. Do- Belvedere with the scout leader that yeah. was a molester. Mr. And different strokes. The guy that owned the, owned the bike shop was also yeah, a yeah. molester trying to give, give him wine. So, the, yeah, I guess the difference is Degrassi, every episode every is episode, the very special they episode. Tack- Tackle it, but it, unlike those sitcoms, it's just done, it's not a laugh track. It's a really natural way that it's done with kids who aren't real actors. God, do you know what's insane? Nancy Reagan, the 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 first lady of the United States, went on different strokes. Yeah, to say don't do drugs. Yeah, it's it's almost something you couldn't believe with you, Mr. T, right? With, yeah, well, she she teamed up with Mr. T all the time. But there, there's a picture of him sitting on her lap or something weird. Are they both sitting on Santa's lap? Or yeah. He, no, he's Santa. Is that what it is? I think Mr. T is Santa and she's on his lap. Can you imagine a world where, I don't know, I just can't imagine. I guess Obama's been on, on that show with Bear Grylls, hasn't he? I guess he's doing the same know. thing. I think Obama ate like a like well, they're a, on like, like Jimmy grub. Fallon sketches and stuff. Yeah, and they're, all, they're flicking, like hitting each other in the face with eggs and stuff. Never mind. I guess every president's a clown, right? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, she went on different strokes to talk about drugs. That's crazy. No, they're all, they're all doing weird stuff. Yeah. Did Obama so, went on between... Woodrow Wilson trying to, trying to get assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished that book. I just finished Dead Wake. And what, a great, what a great book. Dude, that was killing me. Hoping someone would shoot him. Yeah, going on like, long walks. Like, no, Mr. President, like we have to take the back elevator. No. Oh God, have we talked about this on the show? We have. Yeah. Oh good. The book. Okay. The book is Dead Wake about the sinking of the Lusitania. But we talked about the president. We talked about the president and his extreme melancholy. I almost spent an early episode. It was. It was really early on. Well, let's really quickly hit the old mailbag. Um, I've asked if we're available on Android because I am an incompetent podcast producer. Jason Happy Hammonds writes in, "Hey yo boys, Jason from That Might Be Cool and the Savage Land podcast. That might be cool. Oh, Savage yeah. Land. Uh, I've been listening since your old shows. I've loved them. I'll drop you a review on iTunes next time. I've got a minute. That's a reminder, everybody. Please review us on iTunes. Mm-hmm. We don't have that many, and it uh, is really helpful. I, this is my same rant as usual. There's really no way to search and accidentally find this show. Mm-hmm. So please, just word of mouth, leave us reviews and all that. And I want us to, to, to say, if you leave a nice review, a written review, it really makes my day. Oh boy, does <laughs> the, it ever. The most recent one just made my day. Yeah, it really makes us happy. <laughs> I was shocked how much it made the day. Um, but the main reason I'm writing in is to let you know that you are indeed on Android. I listen to you through Pocket Casts. Um, however, you're not on Google Play which will soon become the primary podcast source for Android. Uh, don't fret, though. Here's a link. So thank you so much, because I never would have known that or found out. Right. So I'll, I'll take care of this to make sure we're up there. Um, one last thing. Your old bit from Pizza Party about Roy Harper being the dumbest human on the planet <laughs> in the uh, first Flash Arrow crossover is one of my top podcast moments of all time. <laughs> we're going to have is, to is that, is revisit that, that. Is that the one where he's at the funeral and doesn't know whose funeral it is? Yeah, I think so. I think it's part of it. <laughs> That was part of our ongoing Roy Harper is the dumbest human on earth thing. I loved all that. Yeah. I loved it too. Uh, you got the goods. Keep it up. Uh, and then John Furtenbaugh writes in. I'll hail the champions. Furt here. Uh, this is something we talked about recently. He says, I really like all the Star Trek. Uh, I really liked all the Star Trek TOS season three talk in the last episode. 
Season three is much maligned, but I personally really enjoy a lot of the episodes just like Sean. Yeah, here, here. They're corny and awesome and just as great as some of the classics. Spock's brain is one of my favorite when I was a young lad, but I think one of the best from season three has to be the episode Savage Curtain. The episode opens with one of the weirdest premises in Star Trek history. I remember this. Space Abraham Lincoln flies into the view screen of the Enterprise asking for help, and it just gets weirder and dumber for there. Is that when they go to the planet? Watch out for the guy in the crazy Boulder Man suit. Oh, man, that, that is a good one. So let's save it. He says, I would love a world champ review of this episode and, in fact, review of any Star Trek TOS episodes. We've done that in the past with great success. Yes. So let's, uh, let's check that out well, for yeah. the coming weeks. That's a good episode. Um, on an unrelated note, I made a short intro for your Mysteries of the Mysterious segment. Feel free to use it if you'd like. If not, no worries. Um, look forward to your weirdness every week. Thanks, for it. You're one of our most loyal guys. Mm-hmm. Um, this Mysteries of the Mysterious theme is awesome. Let's play it right now. Let's play it right now. Not sure if we'll use it because I think the theremin is more accessible. But but I do love this, and, and I, I do appreciate you taking yes, the time to I, do it. I appreciate you you taking the time as well. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Last week we talked about what. Um, Carnage's name would be in the Spider-Ham universe. Mm-hmm. Kevin T. points out that, obviously, it would be Carnitas. And I, I had that thought. Yeah. The Kevin... Boy, that Kevin battle really... Fizzled out quiet, a little bit, out. Huh? Maybe they're on the street right now, just going back and forth, knocking over wagons. Well, we should find out what Kevin D.'s name for Carnage is in the... S- I, I wrote down what it was. It's Marvel 8311, I think, universe. That's the Spider-Ham universe. That's the Spider-Ham Marvel universe. That's Earth... 8311. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, and then just some more clarification from something I looked into. A few weeks ago, I was talking about exploring an abandoned military base and how there's graffiti saying that some of the army men were lifer pricks. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite know what a lifer was. I speculated, I slandered, I libeled. Mm-hmm. A lifer is not simply someone who has made a career out of the military. Because that's fine. That's not going to get you disrespect. That's kind of puzzled me when we were trying to figure it out. Yeah. No, that's just fine with everybody. A lifer is someone who is making a career out of the military because they just are too afraid or can't function in the real world. Oh. So it's not someone who's just set their goals to be uh, to rise through the ranks and all that. But it's someone who just stays there because they kind of are afraid to do anything else. So it's like Red from Shawshank Redemption. Maybe, where where he, yeah. gets, he gets let out of prison as an old man and then just hangs himself. Yeah, no, that's not Red. Red was Morgan Freeman. But yeah, the old guy with the birds. What's his name? Old guy, birds. Well, because he wrote, I thought it was Red was here. Oh, no, Red, he almost, Red almost kills himself. Red's up there and then, yeah, and he sees the thing that says, no, or maybe he writes Red was here. I think he writes Red was here. That's what I was thinking of when I was thinking of the old man. But you get, you get my analogy. Yeah, totally. So anyway, I just want to clarify that. I don't want to ever uh, make assumptions about the military. I don't want to be a stolen mm-hmm. valor guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like Captain Crunch. <laughs> exactly. He's actually a commander based yeah. on his uniform. Yeah, he's not a captain at all. He's not a captain crunch. He's a commander crunch. Stolen valor. Glad we cleared that up. That's our show. See you next week.